So, wait, what did that mean? How can I really use that? So what does that mean? Yeah, I'm just trying to understand. But how do I do that every day? So what does that even mean? Hi! Welcome to this week's episode of Family Room Conversations, a series we've started to um, answer your questions and talk about things that come up throughout the sermon that Gary gives. I'm Zach. And I'm Gary. We're glad to be with you today. So glad. Um, I've been so encouraged in this past week to learn that we have lots of listeners and watchers on YouTube and all our podcast series that are not local to Rinkin. And I'm just so excited that you're here. Um, really interesting uh, sermon from this past week. Sure. Anytime you talk about love, it gets interesting. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you described the week before the def- uh, descriptions, descriptions of, of love. love. Yeah. And um, this week it was definitions. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe first, why? <laughs> why, why the Why, why do you de- delineate those? Yeah, I would say in the 29 years I've been pastoring that most every relationship rut people get into and bad situation is for the most part a mismanagement of love. Hmm. Not managing the friendship part, not being committed, the God part, and just really mismanaging it. And so I feel like if you understand how God defines love, then you know how to manage it as He prompts you. It just makes more sense in our relationships, whether it's a parent, family, coworker, whomever they might be. Right. Yeah. I thought I loved the practicality of the the table you gave. Mm-hmm. You talked about the four different types of love that, that we uh, see in Scripture. Sure. Um, the four definitions according to, to the Greek. Um, and gave a really practical way about if you're having kind of issues with your love in these relationships, well, check if you're doing this and right. Check if you're doing this right. How do you like that? I thought that was Good. wonderfully practical um, and super helpful. And if you are at home and you haven't seen that thing yet, I would really encourage you to go watch our Sunday morning stuff where he dives into all of that. So I did some research because I wanted to see um, I wanted to see the Greek words that you were talking about. If you if you missed it. You talked about four different types of love, right? And those came from Greek words. Now, I don't, I don't want to get into each of the Greek words, but sure. I thought it was interesting. Those four you brought up were from Scripture, and there were two more that we that are in the Greek language, um, but don't pop up in Scripture for one right. reason or another. So there's philautia or philautia. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced, uh, but that's self love, mm-hmm. um, and we see a lot of that's a, can be a very good and healthy thing. And there's also xenia, x e n i a, um, which is hospitality. Kind of came across as like traditional love, where you're taught to, you know, have a welcome mat on the front door. That's that's showing love to, to people that you might meet. Right. Um, so I guess my first, well, my second question now, um, let's talk about philousia, fi, fi self-love, right? Yeah. That's a very popular thing now, but it doesn't appear in scripture. So could it be in our, um, in our Christian lives, in a Christian walk? Well, um, many times in the Bible, you have words that are defined clearly and stated or written, and others that are more implied. In other words, there'll be theological trains of thought that imply something. For example, uh, the Bible tells us in the first chapter of Genesis that we're made in the image and the likeness of God. So because of that, you can understand you love yourself because you're made in the image of God. John 3.16 tells us that uh, God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. And so we can understand there that our love of ourselves plays off on the fact that God loves us so much. And we also understand, though, many times the, the world's perspective, though, is I love myself, so I look out for myself. And Christianity's perspective is I love myself and I trust God to look out for me because, he, I'm, again, I'm made in His image, uh, 
His son came and died for me. And then in the end, the Bible says in Revelation that with God in heaven is every nation, every tribe, every language, every ethnicity. So, so it's full of people that God loves. And so, so it doesn't say in the Bible, love yourself per se as a commandment or a statement. At the same time, if you read the main theological statements made in the Bible, you understand that God will assume because he loves you, he made you, and he wants you with him forever that you love you. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, like he seems like he seems worth in us or he sees worth in us. Sure. And so it seems wrong to kind of tell him he's wrong. You know, oh, there's no worth in me. That that. Well, I mean, God loves his creation, elephants, giraffes, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say. And we're even more so because we're made in his image. So if he loves those not made in his image, his creation, how much more does he love us? I mean, you know, Romans 5, 8, he's demonstrated his own love for us. Even while we were sinners made in his image, Christ died. Mm-hmm. So you can't get any more loving of someone than that statement. Right. Yeah. And it seems like he assumes that when he says to love your neighbor as yourself. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, to love your neighbor the way you'd like them to love you is the premise. But, but again, I mean, our, our perspective of like Matthew 6, 34, it says, you know, to seek the world with all, excuse me, to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, mm-hmm. and he'll take care of all the other stuff. And so the idea basically is I'll be about God's agenda for my life and God's agenda for the world. And I'll trust because he took care of me eternally, he'll take care of me daily. Yeah, that's great. Pretty much, yeah. Love that. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, eros. Yeah. That was one of the topics you brought up. That That sure. is um, uh, intimate love, right? It's it's erotic love. That's where we get that word from. Sure. And, and you had talked about in a couple different places how, how that functions in our relationships, in our sexual, you know, in, within marriage, our sexual relationships. Um, but then in a couple of other parts, you had talked about um, how that love could be non-sexual as well. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, I would love to just dive a little deeper into that. Yeah. What does that mean? How, what does eros mean? Well, first of all, anytime you read the Bible, you, you, you have to keep in mind the language is not sacred. All right. It uses words that are just words used by common people all around the world uh, 2,000 years ago. So when you re- read a word like eros or read it, you know, it's implied in Scripture, sexual love, you have to, you know, as you read it because it is God's word to his people, keep in mind that the perspective of sexual love will be God's perspective on it for his people. Hmm. Meaning that uh, for the world, sex is sex. It's physical. Two people have sex. You know, they, you know th- those things happen. But at the same time, on the romantic part or the part between a husband and wife, their physical relationship is actually... In fact, here's what I tell people in premarital counseling. The physical intercourse you're going to share is an overflow of the mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial uh, intercourse that you have, meaning that you're you're becoming one in all those areas, physically, I mean, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, financially. As you're becoming one there, the physical, it's just an overflow of that. Mm-hmm. So that brings a unique perspective to the eros part. So in the world, eros is just sex. But from the Christian perspective, the sexual part is just one component of eros love, meaning there are other parts where that oneness is taking place. That's really cool. Yeah. One thing I thought was really neat in my, in my research was that C.S. Lewis, who, who wrote The Four Loves, um, he came to that same conclusion. Sure. And he, he had talked about in the original Greek, it really just meant sex, but, but that can't be the fullness of it as we sure. experience it. Um, 
I thought was really interesting, Plato, who was by all accounts not a Christian, sure. came to the same conclusion throughout the same way. He saw that you know there is something past sex in that really intimate, close love that we call eros, mm-hmm. that, that he was a Greek. He called eros. He saw there's something, he even called it spiritual, um, which is, you know, obviously we get that. We know what that is. Uh, and I just right. thought that was really neat um, to see how other people see God's work and his creation, even if they don't know to call it that. And, and it is, it, I mean, it's without <clears throat> sounding too trivial. I mean, it is magical in the sense that, like, in God's eyes, you and your wife are one. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are one. And so in that oneness, that's where you find that sexual part. That's the reason adultery, like I said in the message, is such a lethal thing because you take that oneness and now share it with someone else. And so the oneness with your spouse is now affected greatly by that decision. And so that's the reason, um, you know, in the world you might have sex with different partners. It may not be a big thing. But when you're married and Christ is the center of that marriage, it is a huge thing because you have basically sabotaged that oneness that you have. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's important. Well, like every week, I like to ask you this question because you give the sermon a ton of times throughout yeah, the week. Sure. And the one we see online is the first one. So after giving it four or five times... What do you think of at the end? What do you thought? Do you th- you know, I wish I could have included this more. Well, I think I wish I could have gone for about 45 minutes and <laughs> slowed down a little bit mm-hmm. and explored uh, the three examples I gave a little more of just helping people to understand the importance of managing their love. And again, if you're a follower of Christ, um, I mean, you have the Spirit of God living in your heart. So He wants to lead you. You can, you can rest in His leadership in those areas. But I do think it's important to be aware of, of the stewardship factor that God has granted you these four different types of love to experience and enjoy, and in every relationship you're managing them. And I think as you manage them, it makes you more responsible and truly loving other people because you're not reckless, you know? It's not like you're driving down the road at 150 miles an hour, not caring who you hit. I mean, you're you're carefully, cautiously going through life, hoping as you engage people they will know that you love them in a healthy manner. Again, the example is just as Jesus did. It's interesting to me that he encountered tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, you know, people who were just outcasts in culture, and, and you know, uh, people had leprosy. I mean, and in every one of those settings, the one thing those people thought deep in their heart, there's something about this guy, this guy really cares for me. And I think that's because he knew how to manage those loves in, in, in dealing with anybody. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I want to remind you guys at home, listening, in the car, wherever you are, um, that we love this time to have these conversations with you, to dive a little deeper into the stuff we do each week. And we can't do it without your help. So please, if you've got a question or a conversation starter you'd like to hit to start with us, leave us a comment. You know what? Even if you don't have a conversation, leave us a comment anyways. Let us know where you are if you're from not around Rinkin or, you know, if you're in Rinkin too. We'd love to hear from you. And... I don't know, if you'd like to pray us out, I think we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I'll do that. Father, thank you that you are love and that you, we love because you've loved us and sent your son. And Father, you've clearly defined and described love for us, not in a limiting uh, fashion, but in very much a liberating fashion to set us free to experience the joys of being in loving relationships with uh, one another. And Father, I pray that we'll wrestle with what we've uh, talked about in recent weeks about love that, Lord, we might get more of a clearer picture of your heart for us and the heart you desire to ha- that we would have for other people. 
uh, both those that we might agree with and those that we don't, uh, those that are friends, as well as the challenge, those who might be more along the lines of an enemy. And Father, the, the, the challenge to live at peace, as far as it depends upon us, to live at peace with all people. Thank you again, Lord, for the grand invitation of an eternal relationship with you. In your son's name, we do pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. See you soon.